Ten fans, welcome back to another edition of the Big Ten Morning Minutes. I'm your host, Michael Chen. Give me a follow on Twitter at MFC2123. It is Thursday, November 14th, 2019. Yesterday saw the NCAA finally make a decision on Ohio State's star defensive end, Chase Young. And unfortunately for Young, it will be one more game. I hate this decision. I think it is absolutely ridiculous. The NCAA cited the fact that Young got extra benefits. Well, if your extra benefit is the fact that you have to take a loan out for your girlfriend to go and see you play in your bowl game at the end of the year, and then you return the money, I just I can't see an infraction here. I'm very, very disappointed in the NCAA once again. They continually mess up these kind of situations when it's obvious that Chase Young was truthful in the matter. He gave the money back. It's not like he was getting you know, a cash handshake that you hear all the time that players get. He gave the money back, and I hate it. Absolutely hate it. But something else that came out yesterday with the decision from the NCAA, Gene Smith had a chance to meet with the media yesterday to discuss Chase Young's suspension. And one of the big takeaways that I found was that Smith claims that it was not another Big Ten team where the allegations came from. Now, all of the rumors, and it was brought up on the TV broadcast this weekend, that it was Maryland that snitched on the Buckeyes. There's also rumors as well that it was James Franklin and Penn State. Well, if you put two and two together, you'd have to think that it's of the two, if this is the case. You're probably looking at more Maryland, obviously, because it was that game week, the day before, which gives... The Buckeyes virtually no time to mentally prepare for the loss of their star defensive end. However, it doesn't make much sense if Penn State's going to do it three weeks out. Kind of odd, but it is what it is. So Young's going to miss this weekend's game against Rutgers. Uh, Fortunately for the Buckeyes, it's not really going to matter whether or not Young's going to play because... It's Rutgers. So, Young will be back for the stretch run for the Buckeyes. Uh, Obviously, completely different situation than Nick Bosa's of last year. Bosa got hurt and then decided to shut it down. Young, obviously, didn't get hurt. Is very honest with the transgressions. Unfortunately, he will miss the two games. And those two games, I think, it's going to hurt, A, his Heisman candidacy, which I thought coming out of that Wisconsin game was at a high, high level. And then also the fact that he had an outside chance of getting the sack record of 24. I don't think that's going to be the case now either. However, he will be back for Penn State, Michigan, and then beyond that. In some interesting news out of Evanston, Running back John Moten, the fourth, retired. Uh, He put out a note on Facebook 
uh, claiming that he was healthy, that he was thanking his family, his friends, everyone who supported him along his football journey, but it's over. This is kind of odd, uh, very odd timing. You, you kind of figured that if the young man wanted to retire, he would have really just played out the season for the Wildcats. Just a couple of games left for Northwestern. Uh, three, obviously, they've got their contest against UMass, which is a, a W, I believe. And it's unfortunate. I, I just feel as if this season is one where you know, Northwestern would love to have back. They would love it. I mean, Moton really hasn't played a ton. Uh, only 14 carries on the year. But it's just odd. Uh, you know, he's a senior. This was his last year. Maybe he didn't want to finish off the season because, you know, they, they've left a bitter taste in his mouth. I'm not sure. Uh, he never really was a big-time contributor on the team so it's not like it's a huge loss but it is still interesting that he retired now just the timing of it really it's just a little odd but uh, you know on to the next phase of his life goes the former Northwestern running back John Moton the fourth walk-on cornerback Moses Bryant will no longer be a Cornhusker. He has entered the transfer portal. He will look to most likely play somewhere else. Uh, I don't think this is a huge loss for Nebraska, not having the breakout season that many, including myself, predicted. I will 100% say I was wrong. I bought into the Nebraska hype. A lot of people actually tried to talk me out of it. And I understand why. Now, they were right. The North... The, I'm sorry, not Northwestern. The Nebraska hype, not real. It was fake. It was made up. They haven't been good this year. They've been average, which is about right. And uh, We'll see how Scott Frost continues to battle through that. And obviously, it's going to be a, the, the rebuild, and Lincoln's going to be a little bit longer than a year and a half, two years for Frost. He's got... More work to do. Definitely more work to do. There were some award watch lists that were announced yesterday. Three of them, as a matter of fact. We'll start off with the Broyles Award. Goes out to the nation's best coordinator. Best coordinator. So it's nice to see multiple Big Ten coaches on this list. Start off at Indiana, who's having a fantastic season. 7-2 and two right now. And offensive coordinator Kalen DeBoer is their nominee. If I was defensive coordinator Phil Parker, and there's a reason why he's on that list, the Hawkeyes' defense has been absolutely awesome this year. It's their offense that has struggled. And when you look at the national rankings, Iowa currently in scoring defense is fourth in the country, allowing just 11.7 yards a game. Michigan's Don Brown on there as well. Brown has been fantastic, lost some coordinators or some position coaches from the squad last year, and looks like Michigan has pretty much reloaded and 
you know, the train continues to move on. Minnesota's offensive coordinator, Kirk Soroka, made the list as well. And not surprising when you look at uh, what Minnesota's done so far this year. Very, very impressive. Off to a 9-0 start. Got that test against that formidable Iowa defense led by Phil Parker. Ohio State's defensive coordinator, Jeff Halfley, one of the biggest turnarounds in the nation has been the Buckeyes' defense. Last year, they were horrendous, giving up big play after big play after big play. And Ryan Day, when he became the lead man, pretty much cleaned house. And you see why. He's done a fantastic job in identifying the issues on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, went out, got Greg Matheson from Michigan, obviously Halfley as well from the NFL. And look at the Ohio State defense. It, they lead the country in scoring defense. They lead the country in scoring offense. So you probably put a, could have put Kevin Wilson on that list as well. So uh, very impressive what the Buckeyes are doing. Uh, you've got Penn State's defensive coordinator, Brent Pry, looking at Penn State. They also have a top five scoring defense, allowing just... 12 points a game and then going to Wisconsin their defensive coordinator Jim Leonard former Badger has led the Badger defense at one point in time they were allowing under seven points a game it's gotten a little bit higher right now they're seventh in the country at 12.6 points a game still a top 10 defense and you see why Jim Leonard is on that list as well. The Davey O'Brien semifinalist came out, nation's best quarterback. And to no surprise, the two Big Ten players are the two best quarterbacks in the conference. Tanner Morgan for Minnesota and Ohio State's Justin Fields. Not surprising there. They are two of the best in the country this year. Uh, Morgan has been quite the surprise filling in for the injured Zach Anastad and looks like Anastad it's going to get Wally pipped here I can't see Morgan giving up his spot when Anastad is ready to come back next year it'll be interesting to see if he transfers because coming into the year he was the presumed starter not Morgan and what Morgan has done with the Minnesota offense finding some consistency with Rashad Bateman and Tyler Johnson. It took him a little bit to get that Tyler Johnson, but they figured it out immediately. He had a great connection with Bateman. And so not surprising, not surprising at all, but we'll, we'll see what Zach Anastad's decision will be in the future. Uh, the Jason Witten man of the year, the semifinalists included Ohio State's Jordan Fuller, Penn State's Blake Gillikin and Michigan's Kaliki Hudson. So congratulations to those young men on that list. Moving over to the hardwood, yesterday obviously was National Signing Day and not a ton of commitments in the Big Ten. Actually just one. And that one goes to Iowa City and Fran McCaffrey. They added center Josh Ogundele, a 6'10", 240-pound center, from Massachusetts at an offer from 
Rutgers and Cincinnati, along with multiple smaller schools, mid-majors. A solid pickup. He is ranked around the you know 300-ish in the 247 composite ranking. So not the best pickup, but also not the worst. I think Fran McCaffrey has done a very good job developing his centers, and we'll see how Ogundele develops when he makes it to Iowa City. Uh, we'll recap the games before we get to the recruiting part of it. Actually, you know what? Let's get to the recruiting part. We'll recap the games afterwards. I don't want to make you wait. So yesterday, obviously, was signing day. Uh, Wisconsin, as I mentioned yesterday in the morning minutes, they had the top class inside the conference. Everyone signed inside that. So they added pretty much a full team. Ben Carlson, power forward. Johnny Davis, a combo guard. Lauren Bowman, he's a point. Stephen Crowell is a center. And Jordan Davis is a small forward. So Greg Gard pretty much added a whole new team uh, in this recruiting class. Uh, Purdue finished with the second best class in the country. However, none of their players signed. Zach Edney, who just committed, did not sign. He committed earlier this week, didn't sign. Neither did Jaden Ivey or Ethan Morton. So something to watch on the Purdue side. Indiana as well. Uh, they had their commits come in with Anthony Leal, Jordan Geronimo, and Trey Galloway. None of those players signed as well. Actually, I believe Anthony Leal signed. Uh, I saw some stuff on Twitter about that, so I apologize for that one. Uh, what interesting to me, though, is Isaiah Todd did not sign for Michigan. And I'm a little bit concerned about that. He committed just recently. Zeb Jackson, uh, who committed last year, a long time ago, almost uh, a year and a, a month ago, he signed, but Todd didn't. So mm, that's worth a watch. I'd definitely be on the lookout there. Uh, Michigan State, they are getting both of their players signed. Matty Sisko, the center, and A.J. Hoggard, the point guard. Both of them top 100 prospects. So you can argue that although the size of Michigan State's class is smaller, you can argue that they have the best class in the conference. Penn State was the next school up, ranked 38th nationally, and doesn't look like any of their four commits signed in the early period. Uh, DJ Gordon, Dalian Johnson, Valdir Manuel, or Caleb Dorsey. So watching out for that. I just, you know, I feel as if the players have committed and they're ready to go to school. They might as well sign. There's, there's no reason to wait. Minnesota signed both of their commits, uh, their class 44th in the country. Jamal Mashburn Jr., obviously his father was Jamal Mashburn, a former NBA player. And then you've got Martise Mitchell, the power forward he signed as well. They are the seventh-ranked school inside the conference. You have the Fighting Illini at eight, and they 
signed a few of their players, just one of their two. Uh, Andre Curbelo, he signed his letter of intent, a top 60 player out of New York, where Coleman Hawkins, uh, he did not sign his letter, so he's going to wait it out a little bit and sign in the next period. You've got the Buckeyes with two commitments. Uh, they are the ninth overall team in the uh, recruiting class ranked inside the conference, a national ranking of 51st. And neither of their commits, Eugene Brown nor Zed Key, neither of them signed in the early signing period. You've got Iowa, three commits, 10th. In the conference, 55th nationally. Of their five commits, Aaron Eulis, brother of star Kentucky former player, uh, Josh Ogulinde, who just committed yesterday, obviously, uh, Tony Perkins, Keegan Murray, and Chris Murray, the twins. Nobody signed. Nobody signed uh, for the Hawkeyes, so. Not a huge deal, but it is what it is. Northwestern at the 11th class in the conference and 57th nationally. They will end up <clears throat> not signing either of their current commitments, uh, Ty Berry or Matt Nicholson. So it's uh, it's interesting to see when you when we're looking through this. And one of the things that I've noticed, and I'm sure you've noticed, is that there's a good amount of players that haven't signed. Same thing with Rutgers. Their two commits, Dean Reimer and Oscar Palmquist, neither of them signed as well. Uh, Palmquist just committed just a few days ago. Uh, you've got Nebraska at 13th overall. They just have one commit. Uh, they are 81st in the country. Uh, Fred Hoiberg, they've uh, they've definitely struggled with so far on the hardwood. Uh, Donovan Williams, a local young man, did not end up signing. Uh, that's that's kind of interesting. And Maryland, although they are one of the higher ranked teams in the conference, Mark Turgeon's class was just one player, Marcus Dockery. So uh, interesting to see that, but hey. You know what? Not a big deal. I don't think that the, the early signing period, especially for basketball, is as much of a deal as it is for football. And football, to me, if a player doesn't sign in the early period, it just means that they're an uncommitted player. Uh, not basketball, I don't think. Uh, basketball usually is a little bit different. The way that it's structured, obviously, definitely different. All right, so moving on to the games that happened yesterday. So the Gavit tip-off games started. There were three Gavit games yesterday. We'll start off with the winners for the Big Ten. And the biggest game of the day yesterday pitted 10th-ranked Villanova going to Columbus, facing 16th-ranked Ohio State. And all the Buckeyes did was jump off to big lead in the first half, a 40-22 to lead by halftime, not letting up Finishing the game 76-51, to an impressive home win for the Buckeyes early on. This will be a nice feather in their cap come NCAA selection committee time. 
A win over a very good led Jay Wright team will definitely look good in the eyes of the committee. So congratulations to the Buckeyes. Caleb Wesson ended up with a double-double, 10 points, 11 boards. Northwestern held on against Providence. It was a little rocky. Providence made a couple of runs in the second half, but the Wildcats held off as center Ryan Young led the way with 16 points and 7 boards. Wildcats got their first win of the year, and it's a solid win, too. Providence is a pretty good team. So congratulations to the Wildcats. Unfortunately for Purdue, it looked like they were going to have this one in hand. A 38-25 to halftime lead for the Boilermakers in Wisconsin while they played Marquette. And you thought, yeah, all right, Purdue, good win here. They're, they're tracking the right way. And then the second half happened, and they could not stop the Golden Eagles. They could not. Kobe McEwen ended up with 23 points for Marquette, and they just couldn't stop him. The leadership of Carson Edwards is sorely missed, sorely missed, because he calmed the team. The senior had this leadership quality about him that allowed games like this to happen. However, when it would happen, he would settle them down, make a couple shots here and there, and ultimately lead the team to victory. Well, he's off to the NBA with the Boston Celtics, and unfortunately for Purdue, they dropped this one. In a game that they probably should have won. Uh, Big Ten probably should have taken the, a 3-0 Gavit Games mark on Wednesday. But unfortunately for them, they didn't. And a loss is a loss. A couple other games happened as well. Minnesota, I'm sorry, Wisconsin. Minnesota. Uh, Wisconsin took on McNeese State. Uh, they beat them by 20. Uh, Brad Davidson was awesome in this one. He had 24 points and three boards. And then Rutgers, they had a battle against Drexel. Drexel had a halftime lead. And then Rutgers, at the end of the game, they locked down. They got the win in this Garden State showcase. And Ron Harper Jr., yes, that Ron Harper, former Bulls player. That's his son. 13 points, 8 rebounds, and 1 dime. So, uh, not not the worst outing for the conference. Uh, Buckeyes scoring the big win for everybody. And then tonight is more Gavit games. You've got undefeated Penn State and Georgetown. They've only played two games, so undefeated. They still are. Uh, and you've got the big game of the night. Uh, Michigan State is going to Seton Hall to the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey, to face the 12th-ranked. Seton Hall. So a very good game in this one as well for tonight. Those are the only two games on the slate. So if you're going to watch one of them, Michigan State, Seton Hall, that should be a fun one. Definitely a fun one. That's going to do it for me this morning on your Big Ten Morning Minutes. I appreciate the listen. Go ahead and give me a follow on Twitter at MFC2123. Follow the website as well at Two Cents Pods. Like us on Facebook, Two Cents Pods over there. Rate us, review us, and share us on all of your listening platforms. Have a Happy Thursday, Big Ten fans. We will talk to you tomorrow.